Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast. My name is Mung Sung, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Nick Trigellis. Hey, everybody. It's Los. Glad to uh, be talking to you all again on this beautiful, sunny day. Yeah, I'm glad it's finally warming warming up a little bit, but it doesn't count for you because you live out in Vegas, so. Well, yeah, it's always a beautiful sunny day here. Yeah, <laughs> for, that's, for that's us true. here in Chicago, though, this is uh, we we haven't been used to that for quite some time. That's true. Maybe you can even put your shovel away, take it out of your car. Well, if I had a car, I would. Oh, that's right. Take it out of someone else's car. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and uh, on this podcast, we uh, we clearly encourage uh larceny but that's <laughs> all right so uh today we do not but but we do not for the record support drinking and driving <laughs> that's right don't don't be like bernard pierce that's right we we do not like we will not be drafting bernard pierce and we will not be drinking and driving exactly be safe when you're playing fantasy that's right friends don't let friends drink and play fantasy or well that's not true <laughs> i think that's the best way yeah okay never mind all right, so on today's show, we're going to continue our uh, mock draft. Um, this is for, for those of you that may not have listened to last week's episode, uh, although I'm not sure why you didn't. Uh, if you didn't, you should go back and listen to it. But Yeah, what uh, the heck? Come on. <laughs> but we're going to keep going with our um, PPR mock draft. And uh, as a very quick recap, um, I'm just going to go through the list of we went through the first round and a half last episode, and I'm just going to recap that real quick. Uh, so in order, um, we took Le'Veon Bell, then Eddie Lacy, Marshawn Lynch, Jamal Charles, Rob Gronkowski, Adrian Peterson, Antonio Brown, Matt Forte, Julio Jones, LaShawn McCoy, Demarius Thomas, and DeMarco Murray in the first round. And then beginning with the second round, we took Des Bryant, Jordy Nelson, Calvin Johnson, Odell Beckham, Randall Cobb, and then we ended with A.J. Green at the end of the first half of the second round. Additionally, we discussed a little bit about uh, differing strategies, uh, targeting running backs high, targeting you know the wide receivers that you think are going to be the best. Uh, really, go back, give it a listen, um, and you know learn, learn a little thing or two. All right, so I, I believe it's my pick. Is that correct? That is correct, sir. All right, so uh, continuing with my strategy of drafting a wide receivers pretty high in PPR, mm-hmm. um, we ended with A.J. Green, and the next guy is someone who I think talent-wise is right right up there with him, and that's uh, Chicago's own Elshon Jeffrey. He is also the next wide receiver off my board. Yeah, and I I think that Alshon is going to do great, uh, even without Marshall drawing coverage opposite him. I think that he and Marshall are actually uh, built very similarly as wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And um, even though Eddie Royal's not not an elite talent by any means, he has more speed than either of them. And I think that it's actually pretty interesting to pair a smaller, speedier guy. Um, in the slot with Jeffrey and presumably Marcus Wilson on the other side. Um, yeah, they're going to have to account for Wilson on the other side, similarly to how uh, they uh, accounted for Brandon Marshall. He's another big physical wide receiver. Um, I like those big physical wide receivers on the outside in Chicago. I've grown accustomed to having Brandon Marshall, and I, I like uh, Elshon and Marquez. Yeah, and, and defenses still have to account for Martellus Bennett and Matt Forte. I think that Jeffrey will be just fine, even though Marshall has departed to the New York Jets. I, I could see, uh, you know, my projections right now, I, I have Alshon Jeffrey with about uh, twelve to 1,300 yards, a little bit more than he had last year. Uh, part of that was due to his injury as well. And probably uh, right around the, the same amount of touchdowns, uh, 10, 10 or so. Seems reasonable to me. Um, I, I would I would have him very similar. Yep, he's my wide receiver 10. So who do you want uh, now that I've taken Jeffrey? Well, now that you took uh, Elshon Jeffrey off the board, I'm going to uh, dive all in and go ahead and grab the first quarterback of the draft. Uh, this is a little early for me usually, but I think Andrew Luck has separated himself from the pack this year. Um, 
with the signings, especially with the signings of Andre Johnson and Frank Gore. Uh, Andrew Luck will have the premier offense in the NFL. I, and I say that even with Peyton Manning having his offense, even with the uh, you know, uh, Green Bay being what they are. I think, I think Andrew Luck may be able to put together the premier offense of the NFL, uh, this year. He's got better weapons on the outside. Uh, they won't have to rely on second year, uh, guy Dante Moncrief. They've got a very skilled, very talented wide receiver and Andre Johnson at the, uh, wide receiver too. T.Y. Hilton had a, over a hundred catches and is an absolute monster when he connects with Andrew Luck. Um, adding Frank Gore adds a running back who is Able to move the chains. We've we've talked a ton about Frank Gore, obviously enough in the uh, in this podcast in the past, so I won't go on and on about him. But for all those reasons, I think he separated himself uh, from the pack, separated himself from Aaron Rodgers, even, and he's the number one quarterback off my board. You know, uh, I, I'm going to have to disagree slightly on on two accounts. Um, okay. One, I, I understand that you can you can choose to take an elite quarterback pretty early, but I actually still have a few more guys before uh, I have Rodgers and Luck. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second part, which is fine, I only have them about three spots after where you you just took Luck. Um, I, I mean, we can both agree that neither one of our strategies has ever involved drafting a quarterback in the first round, correct? Yeah, I generally don't. Uh, it's a little bit different in Dynasty. I like to have a sure, sure, completely, completely different scenario, of course. Yeah, but in redraft, I'm, I'm perf- especially in a shallower ten or twelve twelve team league. I'm perfectly happy to grab one of those um, lower, lower qu- quarterback ones and and kind of stream if I need to. And we're halfway through the the second round before we're even touching our quarterback run one. I was in a league last year where the first overall pick was Peyton Manning. Wow, um, I don't know what to say to that, but uh, I mean, casual fantasy players make casual fantasy decisions. All right. Well, the the second part that I, I'm going to have to disagree slightly on is I actually still have Aaron Rodgers as the number one quarterback over Andrew Luck. Wrong. Um, <laughs> well, right, we'll we'll see who wins our league this year, but um, probably not you. Oh, uh, them's fighting words. Yeah, neither of that. Well, our league's a dynasty league, regardless, and uh, and neither of us own either of those hey, quarterbacks. You, you name a time and a place, and I will I will play a redraft league with you as well. Well, I'm sure there will be plenty of times and places in this coming year. All right. Well, uh, the reason I I still have Rodgers as quarterback one, and if you look at their stats last year, between the difference between Luck and Rodgers is relatively minimal. So it's really it's sort of a preference thing at this point. But for me, um, Aaron Rodgers, one, does not throw interceptions at home. He just doesn't. Um, and two, I, I, I understand that adding Frank Gore and Andre Johnson is are two great pieces to that Colts offense, which is already pretty lethal. And I think it does help Andrew Luck in terms of giving him more options than just T.Y. Hilton and his tight ends to throw to. However, I think that at the same time, the Colts added Frank Gore so that Andrew Luck wouldn't have to throw quite as much. Looking at his stats, um, Andrew Luck threw, or he attempted 616 passes last year, uh, compared to 520 for Aaron Rodgers. Now, no one is saying that they want to take the ball out of Luck's hands, but Chuck Pagano has always wanted to have a good power run game, and unfortunately, it just didn't work with Trent Richardson. Well, now he's got one of possibly one of the most talented running backs in the last 10 years. Uh, no one's disputing that Adrian Peterson's great. But in terms of pure consistency, Frank Gore is kind of the gold standard, just like Antonio Brown is for wide receivers. Even though he's a bit older now, um, I don't think anyone doubts that Gore can still get it done on the ground. And I think that they're going to try and run it a little bit more, particularly around the goal line. No one at this podcast, Lisa, that's for sure. Yeah, so for me, again, it's more of a preference thing, but I'll take I'll take Rodgers over Luck. Um, See, now I disagree fundamentally here. Um, all of Luck's production last year came with, dare I say it, Trent Richardson as his running back for the first half of the season. Um, having Gore will move the chains, and this will allow, even, even though Luck's attempts will probably be down, his attempts will be more effective because teams will have to account for the run. 
and even put guys closer to the box. This will only serve to make Andrew Luck more effective, especially with Andre Johnson catching the ball out there for him now, too. Okay. Um, you know, I'm, I mean, you certainly bring up good points. And li- like I said, I think that the difference be- between the two is relatively minimal. Yeah, I have Rodgers like two picks later, on, on, or about three picks later uh, on my board. Okay. But, uh, but I digress. Um, Andrew Luck will be the number one quarterback. You think he'll be number two. Uh, you will be incorrect. <laughs> All right. Would you care to place a, a friendly wager on that? As friendly as you want to get, sure. Uh, what, do, what do you want to do? Ten bucks? Oh no, that's not friendly. Hey, <laughs> we 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 don't endorse we don't endorse uh, gambling here oh, on the Fantasy right. Football that's, Addicts that's right. podcast. It's legal. By the way, just just as a disclaimer, everybody in our fantasy leagues, we do not have money on the line. All right, these are these are not gambling leagues. Right? Yes, <laughs> of course not. Says the guy who lives in Las Vegas. All right. Well, we we will we will just keep track then. Um, <laughs> I think that um, for the season, Aaron Rodgers will outscore Andrew Luck in 2015. Okay, we can put ten fantasy football addicts fun bucks on it. I'm not going to dignify that with a response. <laughs> but if we did have fun bucks, my name or my face would be on the bills, not yours. Okay, and I guess I'd be collecting. <laughs> All right, so, okay, we'll agree to disagree on Luck and Rodgers. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, next pick. Since you took Luck, um, I'm actually going to take, like I said, I generally try to be pretty risk-adverse in the first few rounds of my redraft leagues. Mm -hmm. Sure. However, uh, I'm pretty sold on C.J. Anderson. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, okay. He's my running back seven, and I will take him at, where are we, number 21 overall, I think? Yes, And the reason for that is I understand that there's been a lot of uncertainty um, in the Denver backfield for the last few years. First, it was no Sean Moreno. Then last year, everybody thought that Monte Ball was going to be the guy Um, for a while, for a few games. It looked like it was going to be Hillman. And then finally, C.J. Anderson emerged. Sure. But strictly speaking, from the eye test, from watching tape on all the different Broncos running backs, I truly think that cj anderson is the most talented back um one if you the the best example that i've found is in that playoff loss at home to the colts when i believe it was fourth and shorts uh one or two yards and it was a designed run uh handoff to anderson and defenders got immediately to him in the backfield but somehow anderson broke three tackles and converted the first down with a few yards to spare. And from what I've seen on on his tape, he can do it all. He can he can run it. He can break tackles. He's he doesn't have breakaway speed, but he has good burst, and he can definitely catch the ball out of the backfield. And sure. Any any running back playing with Peyton Manning, his ceiling is sky high. And I while there is some debate as to whether he will be the starting back. Gary Kubiak is not John Fox. He likes to have his go-to running back, and I think that C.J. Anderson is going to be that guy. Sure, put put the ball in the hands of your playmakers. Uh, let him make plays. Yeah, and also I, I think they're really going to try to have Peyton throw a, a lot less this year than they did last year. Yeah, I agree. Here's a guy, uh, this is a guy that uh, I think is going to be drafted higher than this in standard leagues than in PPR leagues. He's a good example of that. Yeah, I think the only reason I have him this late in my rankings is is just the risk that we haven't we haven't seen a full season out of him. Sure, exactly. I agree with that. Um, that and the uh, just uh, reception potential. Uh, I mean, while while C.J. Anderson will have his sharp catches, uh, Peyton Manning's thrown the ball to his running back his entire career. Uh, I think there's just guys that will have a higher catch total potential guys like who we, we haven't gotten to yet but arian foster justin for set who i both have over cj anderson for that reason okay that's fair okay uh anything else on uh cj no i think he's gonna be he's gonna be the the breakout uh from from the broncos running back that we thought monte ball was going to be last year yeah monte ball uh Gotta feel, gotta feel. Well, I don't know. Yeah, gotta feel a little bad for him. He came into the league, you know, in the first round. I think, you know, just a little after they restructured all the deals, so that none of the guys are making huge money in the first round. 
And uh, just just as a quick side note, I really don't think that it was Monte Ball's fault completely of how badly he did last season. The first few games, um, he was still recovering from that appendectomy. And say what you will, even for a minor surgery, it's still surgery, and it still takes recovery time. And at yeah, the same time, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Yeah, and also Ball faced some very tough defenses his first few games, and I don't think that we can completely hold his lack of production against him. Yeah, but whether we can hold it against him or not, he's not going to get another opportunity in Denver unless two, uh, one or two people go down in front of him. Right, I, I think this is C.J. Anderson's job to lose. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, uh, next uh, for me, at pick number uh, 22, 20, 22nd guy, um, this is going to be Arian Foster for me coming out of Houston. Um, normally, I'd have him a little bit higher up, uh, but I think his his I think his potential is good in uh, PPR to still grab a lot of balls out of the backfield, um, which bolsters his production. Um, but I think he would be higher in my rank list if I didn't think that Al Blue and uh, John Grimes were going to be cutting more into his uh, value this year. Do you agree there? Yeah, I mean, Aaron Foster is self-explanatory. He's another one of those super talented backs. The only knock on is. him is those nagging hamstring and soft tissue issues that he always seems to have. Right. Um, definitely, if you're going to grab a guy like Foster, you got to grab his handcuff. Yeah, absolutely. El Blue is uh, El Blue is probably the guy that you're going to want to handcuff. Now, the thing about Foster that there that he does have over Blue and Grimes is that they don't really catch the ball. El Blue caught the ball 15 times um, out of the backfield last year, where Foster caught it 40. And Blue did have 170 carries to Foster's 260. So they did use Blue, especially Foster was nicked a little bit last year, um, but they weren't throwing the ball at him, which makes Blue less uh, less important to own in a PPR versus in a standard in terms of owning Foster's handcuff. Um, but Foster, just another, another year on him. He's, he's still not super old, but this is where I have him in my rankings. Uh, still uh, crazy to me that he went undrafted in the NFL draft. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't disagree. I actually had him right after CJ Anderson as well in my okay. rankings. And um, I don't think there's any question. Uh, what kind of workload he's going to get? They're not going to be. They're not going to be having Ryan Mallett or Brian Hoyer throw it. At, throw it all over the place. No, they're not going to throw it all over the place. They're going to throw it to De, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and when they can't, they're going to give it to Foster. Yeah, and personally, to me, I, I'm I'm shocked that they they got rid of Fitzpatrick for for Brian Hoyer. That's I don't understand that move at all. Yeah, I I don't know what to say. I don't think either of them are the future. Like they've got a. They've got to hope that Mallet, who's who's a little younger, can put something together and you know move forward for him. Yeah, uh, he showed potential, so we'll we'll see what happens with Mallet. Yeah, but you know what happens when uh, the Patriots let guys go? Do they usually pan out in the league? I, I, I mean, history shows otherwise. Well, Bill O'Brien certainly seems to like him, so he must have some reasons. We'll see. I he guess. must. He must. But Bill Belichick doesn't seem to like him, and that's what's more important in my mind. He's he's the uh, he's the mad scientist. He's the guy that makes uh, makes the synergy all work. Well, believe it or not, but Bill Belichick is not the end all be all of coaching decisions. He he has had talent slip through that he hasn't noticed. True, and everybody has their hits and their misses. But if I'm gambling, I'm gambling with uh, with with Bill. Well, regardless, Arian Foster will be fine. He is fine with Matt Schaub, and he'll be fine with whoever is under center this year. Yep, I agree. All right, who do you got next? All right, the next guy off my list is going to be Aaron Rodgers. We've already touched on him and Luck a little bit. Sure. Um, you know, self-explanatory. As much as I hate to say it, Green Bay has one of the, the best offenses in the league, and Rodgers is still going to be an elite quarterback in 2015. <sighs> Yeah, as much as we hate him, we have four of them going in our top two rounds, which is kind of great, right? Yeah. Um, like I said, uh, Rodgers is self-explanatory. This is a guy who threw for 38 touchdowns and only five interceptions last year, uh, had almost 4,400 yards. Um, he even put together uh, almost 300 yards on the ground. He's, he's an elite option. I don't think we need to discuss any more on him. He ran for 300 yards last year. Uh, 269. Wow, that's uh, that's an extra 27 points though. And two rushing touchdowns. 
there you go. An extra. I can't. I've, math's never been my strong suit, folks. Well, that's twelve points for uh, for you math inclined people out there. Two times 30, six 39, is twelve. Thirty nine points. Okay. <laughs> All right. Right. Thirty. Thirty eight. Okay, moving on. Next pick. Uh, with the final pick of the second round of the 2015 first uh, PPR mock draft, I'll be grabbing Baltimore's own Justin Forsett. Um Now, this guy is the first one going into these, uh, for me, uh, all the running backs that have been taken to this point have been, I know that, they have been basically, I know these guys are going to put up uh, first-round value, or not first-round value, but RB1 value. Justin Forsett is the first guy in this group, to me, of guys that can be great or can fizzle out. Um, Forsett doesn't have much tread on his tires, as we've talked about in prior episodes, uh, but I just don't believe in him fully. If this wasn't a PPR league, I wouldn't be drafting him this high, and I'm only drafting him because this high because of the potential of working in that Trestman offense. He has shown over his career as a backup in Seattle uh, last year with the Ravens, you know, as a backup for most of his career, that he has always had sure hands and been able to take down the ball. Tressman threw the ball 130 times to his running back last year. I, I can't understate that. That's, that's ludicrous. That's nuts. That's crazy. We've never seen something like that. Justin Forsett may well get 100 targets out of the backfield from Joe Flacco, and he may catch 80 of them. So that's huge value in fantasy. Now, on the other hand, Trestman may implode. Justin Forsett may not do much. So this guy's a risk-reward pick for me. Yeah, I think that Justin Forsett is going to be just fine with Trestman. Uh, this is a guy who had almost 1,300 yards on the ground last year, and he didn't even he didn't even uh, win the starting job, if you will, until a few games into the season. Um, personally, you know, he caught 44 balls last year, and with Trustman, that number is only going to go up. Yeah. So e- even if the, the Ravens do draft another running back uh, relatively early on, maybe a guy like Jay Jai or something, I mm-hmm. think that Forsett is still going to be the starter on week, you know, week one. Sure. Oh, he will be the starter. Absolutely, I agree. All right. Um, the next guy that I have is Jimmy Graham. Hmm. Now, obviously, the move to Seattle isn't great for his value. I would have preferred for him to stay in New Orleans with Drew Brees. Mm -hmm. But I really don't think that this is as bad as everybody is making out to be. Sure. With with Graham in Seattle, he instantly becomes their most talented wide receiver. Not wide receiver, but well, he may as well be. But their most talented receiver. Receiving option, absolutely, without question. And... You know, we, we we touched on this in, in a prior episode, but uh, uh, if he had been there last year, Seattle may very well have won the Super Bowl. I, don't, I don't tell, know. yeah, don't tell Doug Baldwin that though. Uh, I think it was Lockett, wasn't it? No, no, no. I mean, Doug Baldwin says he's not an average receiver; he's a superstar in this league. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, he's a. Uh... You know he's. Uh, I'll give he's him wrong, this. is what he is. He's completely <laughs> wrong. He is the exact definition of an average receiver. I'll give him this. He is. He is very good for for the tools that he has, though. He's been a solid. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> all right. You know, I, I actually have a soft spot for Doug Baldwin. I think that he would do pretty well in a more pass-heavy offense. But well, that's the subject for another day. Regardless, okay. I think that Jimmy Graham. Um, he's going to still catch plenty of touchdowns in Seattle. Marshawn Lynch, obviously, is going to be uh, the the first goal line option to to pound it in. But when you have a when you have a weapon like Jimmy Graham, okay. Russell Wilson's going to scramble. He's going to run those bootlegs, and Graham's going to get open. Sure, Graham is a reason to uh, is one of the reasons that I is also one of the reasons that I had Marshawn Lynch a little lower on the board because he's going to be taking those uh, red zone targets, those red zone touchdowns away from Marshawn Lynch, in my opinion. Um, do I think he's going to score 10 touchdowns this year? I don't think he's going to hit that many. I don't think he's going to touch the numbers that he saw in, uh, when he was in uh, uh, New Orleans. Um, I just have him a little later uh, in the third really? round than because this. I actually, I actually think that he could still very well get double-digit touchdowns. I think that as a, as a whole, he's going to make that Seattle offense much more potent, uh, much more... Uh, you know, less one-dimensional with just Lynch and, and play action. And I think that he's going to still see a, a large share of red zone targets. 
Yeah, the threat's going to be there, but he's also going to serve to open holes and open running lengths for for Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch to get into. So that's true. Anytime you draw attention away from the easiest way to get in, I would just use the easiest way to get in. All right. Well, who do you got next after Graham? Next, I have a guy who I've gushed about in prior episodes, uh, Frank Gore. Um, I I discussed him when we talked about Andrew Luck. I think this guy is going to be a great back. I'll probably own him in a majority of leagues this year that I'm in. Um, I'm putting all my chips in. I'm trying to trade for him in some leagues that are dynasty this year. Uh, I want him on my team. I think he will be a bona fide stud this year. Um, He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can be relied on to move the chains. I mean, we, we've talked we've talked ad nauseum about Frank Gore in this episode. I, I don't feel like I need to say much more about him. Do you? No, I mean, I, I like Gore quite a lot as well this year. I, I actually have him at running back fifteen though, and I have him, hmm, okay, you know, actually a, a lot later. I have him late in the third round. Really. Um, there are there are a couple other running backs and quite a few wide receivers in PPR that I would rather have over Gore. Okay. Um, is there anything else you want to touch on Gore? Obviously, he's going to get. Well, I'm just curious who you'd rather have than Gore. Well, uh, if anything, the next guy on my list is Lamar Miller. Okay. And say what you will, I, I know a lot of people are not sold on his talent, but he got it done last year. Um, See, I just don't think his offense is going to give him near the opportunity that it needs us. I understand that, and I, and I'm as optimistic as many on Frank Gore, but apparently not not quite as much as you are. I yeah. just see I I see Gore getting maybe about a thousand eleven hundred yards and probably about ten touchdowns combined or rushing. Uh, uh rushing. I, okay. I, could, I could see a few, uh, a couple hundred more yards receiving, and maybe so one a or couple two hundred puts him at fifteen hundred yards total. Then, right? No, I, I would say about twelve, thirteen hundred total. Thirteen. Okay, not, so fifteen. So fifteen hundred total. We'll we'll call it, and uh, and then what? Fifteen touchdowns. No, I think that's that's very optimistic for Gore. I yeah. think that that luck still has guys like Dwayne Allen and he's going to have Andre Johnson around the, around the goal line. Yeah. But I, that, that offense, like I said, is premier. They're going to do nothing but score points. I think that it's, it's pretty optimistic to take Gore at the top of the third. And I think that you are going to own him in a lot of leagues if you take him there, which is fine. Yeah, it's fine with me. I I'm, I'm more than happy with it. All right, well, uh, as I mentioned, uh, with my next pick, I'm going to take Lamar Miller. Okay. And Lamar Miller didn't do a whole lot two years ago. Um, everybody was expecting him to break out a lot sooner, and really it, it took an injury to no Sean Moreno for him to see his way to more playing time. But honestly, I think that Miller would have overtaken Moreno sooner or later last season anyway. Yeah. Um, for all those saying that Lamar Miller only won the starting job because no Sean Moreno got hurt, well, you're not wrong. But I, mm. I do think that it still would have happened. He had just shy of 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns on the ground last year, and he caught 38 balls for, for 275 yards. I don't see his stats going down uh, from from that because who do, who do the Dolphins really have behind him? Guys like Damian Williams... Uh, whether whether or not they re-sign Noshan Moreno uh, has yet to be seen. I just don't see. I, I mean, I think he's the only rostered backup right now, isn't he? Damian Williams. Yo. Um, I think they have. Uh, what's his name? I can't remember him right now. I think. Um, well, Michael James. The uh, he used to be on the Niners. Oh, he's on the he's on Miami now. Okay. Yes. Um, which is actually interesting to me because I think that Bill Lazor could could get a lot out of Michael James, who played a, a similar system in college. But uh, I don't think that anyone's going to be beating out Lamar Miller. I think that it's going to be about a 70-30 split in terms of touches. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Miller's the guy that they're going to lean on. Um, he's going to catch a, a respectable number of, of balls out of the backfield. Uh, I can't really argue with him. He, he's, you know, he, he's an RB two to me. I, I can't argue with this pick whatsoever. 
Yeah, and I think I love him especially because, you know, with Gore, it, it helps Gore that, you know, Andrew Luck has has decent wheels. He can always take off for a 10-20 yard gain. But for Lamar Miller, he's playing with a quarterback who, if, if you let him scramble, he might get a 60-70 yard gain. Yeah. And he'll play wide receiver in college, and he's got some serious wheels. And I think that that helps Lamar, Lamar Miller a ton as well. Sure, absolutely. Open the field. All right, so who do you got next? Uh, next, I'm going to uh, go back to uh, Indianapolis for my third uh, Colt pick uh, of the day. We're going to go ahead and grab uh, T.Y. Hilton, who I don't know if uh, I don't know if a lot of people realize this. Caught, I, I mean, a lot of people think of him as just a deep ball threat. This guy caught 82 balls last year. He had 1,300 yards, seven touchdowns. I can see that number going up. Um, <clears throat> I can see the. Like I said, I, I mean, I don't want to keep going on and on about what I think this Colts offense is going to do. Just know that I think T.Y. Hilton is going to be amazing. See, I, I agree that Hilton's very talented, but I, I actually lean the other side of the argument. I think that the Indianapolis Colts offense is going to be very potent, but I think it's going to sort of resemble uh, the Saints offense in the past where there's going to be you know, one main guy. And I, I do think it's still going to be Hilton, but I think that all the other um, receivers there are going to sort of eat into his production. Andre Johnson is there now. Um, he's definitely an upgrade over uh, Reggie Wayne, who looked really old last year. He's definitely an upgrade over Hakeem Nix. And I think that Dwayne Allen and Kobe Fleener are both talented enough to take away a lot of those targets over the middle. That said... Taking Reggie Wayne out of the equation, Reggie Wayne had 116 targets from Luck last year, so that's a lot to gobble up. I could see Andre, I could see Andre Johnson accounting for all of those targets, absolutely, but I don't really see that cutting into Hilton, really. Yeah, and I don't think that Hilton's going to regress. I just don't know that he's going to improve that much upon his production from last season. I think, I think last season is about uh, what we can expect to be T.Y. Hilton's ceiling. Yeah, and I'd be happy with that in the mid-third. Yeah, and actually, I, I agree with your ranking of him. I have him actually uh, just one spot lower than you do. I have him after my next guy. Um, okay, who's that? Who is Jeremy Hill. Okay, cool. Um, and a lot of people actually peg him as a running back one, which I actually disagree with. Yeah, me neither. Or I as well. Um, people forget that Gio, Giovanni Bernard is still very talented back. Very good, yeah. Um, he, he didn't get quite as many touches after coming back from injury last year, but um, Hugh, Hugh, not Hugh Jackson, um, or Hugh Jackman is what I was going to say, <laughs> not the Wolverine. But, um, He's the best at what he does, but what he does isn't very nice. Well, a uh, very, very quick uh, side note. Uh, did you hear that Hugh Jackman posted a picture on his, on his Instagram that he may be retiring soon as Wolverine? <gasps> oh, no. I, no. I don't I, even know what to think about this because, I, to me, he is Wolverine. But he is the Wolverine. Who's, who could possibly replace him? This isn't like Spider-Man or some other two-bit superhero where anybody can play him. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's I'm very very. Actually, sad I'll I'll, I'll back off of Spider Man. Spider Man's Spider Man's a great superhero. I'll, I'll back off. But that's the thing. Like, if you get somebody like that filling in and playing the Wolverine, like that, and they've got so many more movies to make. They've got to make Age of Apocalypse. They've got to go into that. <laughs> they've got the Gambit movie coming. They're I think they're going to go into a Deadpool series. I'm sorry, this is a football podcast. All right, now that our our nerd rant is over. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, Hugh Jackson, yes. uh, the Bengals offensive coordinator, still wants to run it, uh, but he has not run forgotten it, about it. Giovanni Bernard. I think no. that he's going to eat into Hill's touches more than a lot of people are expecting. Yeah, I completely agree. Giovanni Bernard was great his rookie year. Jeremy Hill was equally great his rookie year. Um, a lot of people are just uh, using this, using recency bias uh, is is the buzzword that people like to use. I think Jeremy Hill and uh, and, C and uh, Giovanni Bernard are going to be uh, much closer to 60-40, 55-45 sort of duo uh, than anything else. I think 60-40 is about right. Um, yeah. I think that Bernard is that type of back, sort of like Andre Ellington, where he does a lot better in space. Um, sure. And he might he may actually be uh, better with limited touches than as a workhorse. Yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, they, they complemented each other well at the end of last year. I liked the production they got. I'm sure they did in, uh, I'm sure Bengals fans did as well. Yeah, it's a very good Thunder and Lightning duo out of the backfield there. There we go. Do you remember the original Thunder and Lightning? Uh, who are you referring to? Uh, Lendell White and Chris Johnson. Oh, wow. Yeah. Lendell White. That's a Lendell name I White. Heard in a while. Yeah, that was fun. That was, I mean, that was cool. They, they were the first one. I, I feel like they were the first ones to really do that. Um, I think they called, I think they called themselves Thunder and Lightning. And then D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart started calling themselves like Smash and Bash or something, or Smash and Dash. Is that what it was? Or am I mixing the two up? It, was it, was it the opposite? Well, and you can't remember, or you can't forget about Ricky Bobby, uh, you know, <laughs> Magic, <laughs> Magic Man and El Diablo, Shake and Bake. Shake and Bake, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> That's that's Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard right there. There we go. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I like it. I like where we're headed with this. All right. Speaking of heading forward, uh, time for me to draft another wide receiver. Uh, and this guy is a guy that uh, had over 100 catches despite playing opposite side of the field of one of the guys that might be the most talented uh, wide receiver in the league. Like I said, I, I think Calvin Johnson and uh, Antonio Brown are probably top two, but this guy's not far after him. Or, uh, But uh, Demarius Thomas isn't far after him. Wow, I'm taking a real roundabout way to get to saying Emmanuel Sanders' name, aren't I? All right, so uh, anything else you want to say about Emmanuel Sanders? <laughs> he had 140 targets last year from Peyton Manning, who slung the ball all the way around the field. He had 101 catches, 1,400 yards. Um, people people drafted him late last year as a uh, later last year as a uh, sort of pseudo-sleeper, and he paid off for him. He had some phenomenal games. Yeah, um, I don't really disagree. I have him a few spots back, uh, but only about three or four. So I think mm -hmm. uh, mid, late third round is about right for Sanders. Yeah, no, that's where I'll be targeting him. Absolutely. Uh, any negatives on him that you see? I mean, the, o the only thing is possibly this might be the year that Peyton's age catches up to him. But like I've said in the past, Peyton Manning has never been a power arm sort of guy. He's done just fine. I think he'll continue to be, do just fine. I don't think it's it's more it's less so Peyton's age and decline than Kubiak's scheme. I think that Gary Kubiak likes to target his number one right as wide receiver a lot, which is why I'm very high on Demarius Thomas. Um, and also, I do think that they're gonna that the passing volume is gonna decline a little bit overall. Um, but I think that Sanders should still be fine this year uh, with potentially Peyton's last year. But as long as Peyton's there, I'm not too worried about Sanders. I mean, say what you will about whatever offensive scheme Peyton's in. For all intents and purposes, he's been his own offensive coordinator for the foreseeable past. I don't see that changing just because Kubiak got there. Yeah, and I actually think that there's been talk that Sanders is going gonna, is gonna to play more out of the slot and uh, – the, the second-year guy, Cody Latimer, is going to play opposite Demarius. Latimer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but I think that this is actually good for Sanders, and I think that he'll he'll still be a decent wide receiver, too, this coming year. I don't really see – that said, I don't really see him uh, topping his production last year by very much. No, those, I those think are, that Those are great ceiling. numbers. Yeah, those are great numbers. All right. Um, so next up, I have another wide receiver, Mike Evans. Mm-hmm. And I was always, as much as I loved Johnny Manziel coming out of college, uh, I, part of the reason I think he was so successful was because Evans was just such a beast of a receiver. How could anybody argue with and that? This is a guy who caught 68 balls for over 1,000 yards with guys like Josh McCown and Mike Glennon. Gosh. Um, and he caught 12 touchdowns in his rookie year, too. Yeah. Uh, assuming that the Bucks draft Jameis Winston, I think that Evans has barely scratched the surface of his true potential. Mm -hmm. The only knock I might have on Mike Evans, and I don't have him going much further. He's actually uh, my next wide receiver off the board. But the only thing you have to keep in one of the only things you have to keep in mind with Mike Evans is I don't see uh, Vincent Jackson having as few touchdowns as he did last year again. No, I, I, I totally agree, but I think that that offense in general is going to take a step forward. Yeah, I, I could agree with that. Uh, in, uh, in fact, could, yeah. quick side note, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about Doug Martin bouncing back a little bit. I sure. think that he's going to be a guy that recency bias is going to work against, and I think that he's going to be a little bit of a value in the mid-rounds. 
Yeah, there's not much further he can fall. And just to quantify what I was talking about with the touchdowns, um, Mike Evans had 12 touchdowns last year. Vincent Jackson, good as he is, only put together two touchdowns. He still had two more catches than Mike Evans. He had 70 catches. Mike Evans had 68. But Evans was getting the significantly greater amount of uh, of touchdowns and red zone targets. I think Vince Jackson is just uh, too good for that to occur again. Yeah, and actually, uh, Vincent Jackson uh, just misses the cut for my top 36, but I think he's a great buy low uh, in Dynasty and also a great sleeper in the mid-rounds as well. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Because of because of the only two touchdowns that he scored last year, a lot of people will not be targeting him on draft day. Yep, I, I definitely agree with that. All right, um, since we've been agreeing so much, uh, let's move on to a pick that I think you might not agree with exactly, because uh, I know we've talked about this in a prior episode, where you don't think his value is climbing quite as much as mine, as I do. Uh, Joik Bell, running back, should be starting running back for the uh, Detroit Lions this year. Um, Reggie Bush is gone. I think Joik Bell, who had, <clears throat> excuse me, let me just grab some numbers really quickly. Joik Bell, who was number 10 overall of all running backs in terms of uh, carries plus receiving targets, who's 10th overall of all running backs, uh, I think he can only go upwards from there with Reggie Bush leaving the team, not taking away uh, receptions from him. Uh, we talked about this prior. Theoretic is going to back him up, probably get some uh, more catches out of the backfield, but I think Bell's value is going to go up. He showed that he can handle a workload with uh, carrying the ball over 220 times last year. Uh, Detroit's offense, if Golden Tate and Calvin Johnson can find a way to meld well, uh, that's only going to increase opportunities for Joik Bell. Yeah, I, I like Joik Bell a lot, um, but I have him probably around running back 20, not not quite in the first three rounds, maybe in the fourth round. Okay. Um, for me, I know that Jim Caldwell recently, uh, he recently came out and said that they expect to, to run the ball a little bit more because if Stafford's throwing as much as he has been, it means that they're playing from behind, mm-hmm. which they really shouldn't need to with that defense that they have there in Detroit. But even though they're looking to run the ball more, I, I think that it's going to be a little bit more of a split, even with Bush gone. Um, in terms of receiving, Theo Riddick is a very fast, agile uh, receiver out of the backfield. Um, I think that you know Stafford has shown trust in him. There, I remember there was one game uh, last season. I don't remember which one exactly, but uh, the Lions were down, and there were there was only about thirty seconds left in the game, and the game-winning touchdown was a reception by Theo Riddick. I think that both the Lions staff and Matt Stafford both uh, have shown that they like Riddick a lot and that they're going to use him a little bit more. And that's part of the reason that they may have allowed Bush to go. Um, Yeah, I I agree with that. And he's going to fill into Bush's role quite well. But I don't think that's going to be to the detriment of Joyke Bell. Well, the other thing is that there have been quite a few mock drafts where they've speculated that um, Todd Gurley or another running back may go to the Lions. And I, I think that Bell is still relatively young in terms of not having touched the ball a ton, but he is approaching 30. And I think that they're, while they gave him that three-year contract, um, he's does he have one or two more years left on his contract, uh, Joyke Bell? Do you know off the top of your head? Dan? Uh, here, actually, I'll pull it up real quick. Okay. Um, yeah, Joyke Bell is only signed through 2016, so he's got two more years. But at the same time, I could see the Lions playing a little bit more running back by committee. Um, after all, their offensive coordinator did used to uh, did used to call the shots under Sean Payton, and I, I think that he's kind of got that mentality ingrained a little bit. Interesting, very interesting. Um, I think he's catching balls. I think he's relevant uh, this high. In uh, PPR leagues, uh, especially. So, uh, um, from what I gather, is if if you miss out on that top tier of running backs, you would be you would be pretty happy with Frank Gore and Joyke Bell as your running back one and two. Is that right? Yeah. If I if I say started and had a uh, later pick, because in most in most drafts, um, people are drafting running backs early. If you have a later pick and decide to go wide receiver, wide receiver then if you get either of these guys, yeah, I'd be okay having them uh, 
as the, as my running back one. If say for example I get to go back to back and get guys like you know Jordy Nelson and Calvin Johnson as my first two, or well I guess it would be even better than that probably like Des Bryant and uh, Calvin Johnson as my wide receiver one and two. Okay, I I think that that makes sense. I I think I would be fine with Bell and Gore as my running backs, assuming I was very very solid at either tight end or wide receiver. Yeah, um, absolutely. Okay. I won't I won't argue too much with Bell. I just think that you're a little bit more optimistic on his uh total touches and carries than I am. I think he's still gonna be very efficient regardless. All right, cool. Uh who do you got next? Uh I have another um young wide receiver. DeAndre Hopkins really broke out last year. Uh this is a guy who did really well considering that he had basically a black hole at quarterback. So <laughs> He he caught balls from Ryan Mallett, Tom Savage, Ryan Fitzpatrick all last year. It was basically a quarterback by committee in, in Houston, and he still managed to excuse me. He still managed to succeed, and I think that he will be just fine regardless of whether it's Mallett or Hoyer under center this year. We saw that you know as average uh, as Hoyer may be. Uh, Josh Gordon still managed to excel uh, even with uh, him under center. Sure. Yeah. I, I can't, uh, can't argue with that. Um, he's one of my next wide receivers that I'd be taking to uh, the guy's very talented and he's, um, you know, one of those young wide receivers that's going to be breaking into white, you know, the top 10 wide receivers as certain guys age and he, he get, uh, comes into his own. Yeah, and especially with Andre Johnson gone, and we we have yet to see whether C.J. Fedorowicz is really going to break out as a tight end. I think that Hopkins is definitely going to catch more than six touchdowns this year. Yeah, I think without question. They they have to if they want to put up any points on offense. Yeah, re- really Hopkins kind of reminds me of Alshon Jeffrey, and I think that he's he's going to follow that that similar trajectory of success. Sure, he, he, should, he should hope so, because Alshon has had a great deal of success for a young guy. Mm-hmm. All right, so who uh, who would you take after DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, next off my board is a guy uh, who I'd like to see become a little more efficient, uh, Kelvin Benjamin. Um, and he, he's going right here for me because Cam Newton has showed a, a distinct desire to throw the ball at him, whether or not he can catch it or not. Um, he only caught half of the targets that came his way. He caught 73 balls on 146 targets, exactly half. Um so what that tells me is, A, he's able to get open. Uh, B, he needs to work on his catching skills, unfortunately, because I've seen a number. I saw, I watched a number of heartbreaking drops because I owned him in a couple leagues, watched him drop balls in the end zone. And uh, C, I forgot what A and B were. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I don't disagree that Kelvin Benjamin's still going to be a solid wide receiver, too, this year. Uh, I just don't think that his ceiling is nearly as high as a guy like Evans or Hopkins. Um, and I actually did have him just one spot after Hopkins, so I totally agree with where you have him. Okay. Um, but the fact of the matter is he's going to see plenty of targets because Carolina has nobody else uh, at wide receiver other than Benjamin right now. All they have are guys like Jericho Cotchery, Ted Ginn, uh, they, I think they just signed Jared Boykin from Green Bay after he yep, left. Exactly. And, uh, we have yet for those of you holding out uh, hope for Stephen Hill. Good luck. Uh, that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> yeah. um, so really, Cam's number one and number two targets are going to remain solidly Kelvin Benjamin and Greg Olson. Right. Yep. Absolutely. And half of the half of the game in this uh, PPR league is is getting points for your reception and when you're getting the ball thrown to you 150 times that makes you a contender for 100 plus catches if you can just reel the ball into yourself you know use your hands and don't treat them like oven mitts or something i don't know yeah kelvin benjamin will amaze you with with a a ridiculous catch one play and then an easy drop the next play that's that's the only problem there yeah but who else had that issue earlier in his career terrell owens right and that guy hall of famer absolutely uh, I like Benjamin a lot, but I I wouldn't put him in nearly the same no, tier. Yeah, I'm just say, I'm just saying we can discuss I, the, I you know discuss the it. same issues. Yeah. All right. Okay. So speaking of um, getting a lot of targets, another guy who is a lot better in PPR than in standard 
is a super underrated guy that I love a lot. Julian Edelman is my next uh, my next choice. So since Wes Welker departed New England, Julian Edelman has stepped up in a big way. In 2013, he caught 105 balls for 1,000 yards and six touchdowns. And last year, he was just shy of 100 with 92 catches and just shy of 1,000 yards with 972. Now, this is a guy who ranked who is ranked as a top 20 wide receiver both of the last two seasons, and yet people do not treat him as such in PPR. To me, he's a great value, and I would have no problems with him as my wide receiver too. Uh, yeah, he, he's perennially perennially undervalued. That's, that's for sure. Nobody thinks of Julian. I, I mean, you think of uh, Patriots' number one wide receiver. People aren't even going to say Edelman. They're going to say uh, Brandon LaFell this year probably. Um but I can agree. Uh, I, I don't have him um, going in the third round quite yet, but I mean, we're almost out of the third round as it is, and I wouldn't have him dropping much past the fourth. Yeah, I agree. Um, like I said, I, I think he, I agree that he's perennially underrated, uh, and I don't know why, but I'll be happy to grab him. All right. So who do you got next? All right. And with the final pick of the third round, I'm going to go ahead and say that. It's time to grab your third quarterback um, because I think he has elevated himself with the acquisition of Jimmy Graham uh, head and shoulders solidly as the number three quarterback this year. Uh, Russell Wilson, we've spoken about it before, between his rushing numbers, uh, between his ability. I mean, he throws the ball, he throws touchdowns, but then he also rushes the football. Um, He's been very valuable, and now he's even more valuable with it one of the best red zone targets in the game, Jimmy Graham. Uh, Russell Wilson is my QB three and my final selection in the third round. Um, I like Russell Wilson quite a bit. Uh, I just want to bring up something very interesting though. Um, Mike Clay over at PFF and ESPN uh, had a tweet recently uh, that I thought was pretty shocking and was something that I hadn't really thought about. If you look at Russell Wilson's numbers, um, last year, he threw, uh, he completed about 63% of his passes for just about 3,500 yards, and he had a 20 touchdown to seven interception ratio. Uh, on the other hand, a guy that everybody was very disappointed with was Colin Kaepernick, and here are his stats. He completed about 61% of his passes. Uh, for about 3,400 yards, just 100 shy of Wilson. And he had a 19 to 10 touchdown interception ratio, which isn't that far off. The main reason that Wilson had so many more fantasy points than Kaepernick was because of the rushing touchdowns. He had six uh, on the ground. Russell Wilson had about 850 yards and six touchdowns whereas Kaepernick only had about 650 yards and one rushing touchdown. Assuming that a few more uh, turn into passing touchdowns with Jimmy Graham there now, and also assuming that Marshawn Lynch keeps up his touchdown pace, while I still really like Russell Wilson and I have him as my number three quarterback, I don't know that I would draft him as high as the third round. I think that he is not as close to that top tier of quarterbacks of Luck and Rodgers. I think he's closer to that, uh, the Matt Ryan, uh, Tom Brady tier um, of that, and of, of that mid-level uh, QB1 where there's about six or seven guys that I think are relatively interchangeable there. Okay. Okay. Well, interesting. Um, so just real quick, um, let's recap uh, – the second half of the second round and the third round in our mock draft. Yep. Um, we took Alshon Jeffrey, Andrew Luck, CJ Anderson, Arian Foster, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Forsett, Jimmy Graham, Frank Gore, Lamar Miller, then T.Y. Hilton, Jeremy Hill, Emmanuel Sanders, Mike Evans, Joyke Bell, DeAndre Hopkins, Kelvin Benjamin, Julian Edelman, and finally, to cap it off, Russell Wilson. Yep. And uh, just real quick, I want to mention just a few names that I think barely missed the cut. 
that I had pretty close to the rest of the guys that I just mentioned. Um, next on my list, I had CJ Spiller, who I think is going to be a great PPR option in New Orleans. Sure, absolutely. Fill in that Sprolza role that, that uh, became so popular in PPR leagues. Yeah, I think people forget that Sproles was a mid-level running back one for a year or two in New Orleans when he had nobody else stealing away those running back uh, uh, targets out of the backfield. The thing that I won't forget with C.J. Spiller, though, is his constant injury history and his ability to disappear on the field. Sure, it's definitely risk-reward, but I think, I think I'm a little bit higher on Spiller than the consensus will be. Sure. Uh, third round is a little little risky for me. I might I might do late fourth round on C.J. Spiller, but but uh, third's a little high for me on him. Okay. Um, and then just a few other guys uh, real quick. I had Jordan Matthews with yep. Macklin gone. I think that he's going to see uh, more playing time in Philadelphia. Sure, I agree. He's, he's not far away. And uh, guys like Trey Mason, Mark Ingram came on pretty strong last year. I think they're still going to remain the starters for their mm-hmm. respective teams. Um, another guy who's uh, always undervalued, but I've been a solid running back too, even in PPR without catching that many passes, Alfred Morris. Um, and definitely Andre Johnson in Indiana or Indianapolis. Sure. I have most of the same guys, a couple more that that are close. I mean, they, these guys would all go in the fourth round if we extended this. Um, Giovanni Bernard, um, much for the reasons that we all talked about, uh, that we talked about during the Jeremy Hill segment, uh, sure. Giovanni Bernard is still, I mean, he's still very fantasy relevant. Um, yeah, I definitely I'll, agree, especially in PPR. Same with Andre Ellington. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also Brandon Marshall coming out of Chicago, going into, um, uh, going into New York. Uh, we talked about it, uh, in a prior episode also. Uh, I think he's going to be able to have some big games. Uh, he may, be, he may carry you some weeks. On the other hand, you may need Eric Decker to carry you some weeks. That that's my uh, that's my worry with owning Brandon Marshall. Right, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, we're gonna wrap it up here. Um, this is the end of our three round mock draft. Again, this was PPR, so uh, the the rankings would definitely change. Uh, Absolutely, a for a lot of these guys, um, if it were standard. Absolutely, uh, specifically guys like like I mentioned, uh, Justin Forsett would drop a little bit. Um, uh, things like that. Marshawn Lynch would rise in my rankings um, in a non-PPR league, but Mung, uh, had him, you had him pretty high as it was. Yeah, and a guy like uh, Julian Edelman, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to trust him nearly as much in in a standard league. No, 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 exactly. I I agree there. Kelvin Benjamin, I'd be more worried about in a standard league. It's it's just the amount of amount of targets that he he is uh, does have a high per, uh, chance of getting that keeps me. Uh, that much in his favor in a PPR league specifically. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it with that. Um, the NFL draft is uh, just a short month away. I'm coming sure, around the corner uh, soon. Uh, we'll try to get into the rookies a little bit and uh, we'll have, we'll have more content for you coming up. Absolutely. I had a lot of fun doing this, uh, doing this little uh, mock draft. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm, uh, I can't wait until we have actual drafts soon in a few months. Yeah, exactly. Um, who knows how that might shake things up. I don't foresee it shaking things up really very much. I mean, rookie running backs, they've shown in the NFL uh, recently, they try to, uh, most of the guys they try to give an advanced workload don't really succeed right off the bat. So, so it ends up really kind of, you know, they, they get sort of a, a red shirt year in a sense. I mean, they're playing, obviously. They're not just sitting there. But it's really, who's the last guy that's exploded huge? I mean, the outside well, we of the... How, uh, uh, we saw how Bishop Sankey worked out last year. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, outside of the um, the uh, Bengals running backs, who they've hit well on two years in a row, um, the odds really aren't in rookie running backs' favor. Yeah, RG3, his rookie year was kind of an exception. Um, yeah, uh, you know the uh, real, real quick. The only two rookies that I I could really see potentially immediate production from mm-hmm. uh, is Amari Cooper and and possibly Kevin White or Devontae Parker, depending on which teams draft them. Sure. Okay. Um, the only other thing that I that I that's of mention to me or of uh, note to me is if uh, Dallas goes ahead and grabs one of the top running backs because they do oh, need. Yeah, to... definitely. Yeah. I mean that that's the only other thing. Um, oh, all right. You mean you don't believe Darren McFadden is going to be the guy? I I hope for Dallas's sake he doesn't have to be the guy. Very true. 
All right. As always, uh, you can ask us questions on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And I'm at FFA underscore Los, L-O-S, and our great producer who keeps doing a great job for us, uh, at FFA underscore Dan, Dan Green. Um, send us your tweets. Send us your comments. Let us, your know, let us know if you agree with us, disagree with us, love us, hate us, have questions for us. Hashtag FFAQs. Like us on the Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. All right. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Thanks, addicts.